My top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change ups, the cast won't break up. Even with that million dollar contract, show up a stand up guy who's a stand up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So, welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the app? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lamberth, recording this for the week of Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Give this show a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because... It's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. This is episode 695. There's no guest. It's just me sitting here on a late Sunday morning ready to give you some high-quality podcasting. And I hope you're ready. So you better fucking strap in, folks. <laughs> no, it's, it's just me. Post, what, what what did I do this morning? I got up early. I uh, rode my exercise bike, had a little bit of breakfast, um, started to watch a movie, talked to my mom, took a bit of a power nap, and I'm back up. I'm going to try to get this done before football starts, um, last week of the season, um, hoping Lamar Jackson gets this MVP, wraps that up. Well, they lost yesterday, but he didn't play because I'm sure somebody would have tried to hurt him. And they say, he got hurt. So, yeah. the, mo- the most important thing is for him to do well in the playoffs, possibly get the Super Bowl. I guess he's my new agenda this, this season. I don't know what's going to happen with um, the Chiefs. Um, I don't know what other black quarterbacks are in contention. You'd think I'd know more uh, from having NFL ticket. But that that has become so... I think I would probably get it. I think the only way you get red zone is if you have, if you have pur- if you purchase the whole thing. So I don't know. Red zone is great. You know what I'm actually liking a lot more is the NBA League Pass. Um, that's fun. I, I got locked into a Sacramento Kings versus the Orlando Magic, and that was a fun game. I think they went into – I don't know if they went – did they go to – they at least went into one overtime, and that was pretty good. That was a fun game. 
Uh, I like them. I like the Kings, and I used uh, them in 2K. I hadn't played 2K in months, so I played that. The power went, the not the power, but the internet and cable went out for almost a half day on Saturday, yesterday. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm just going to play some PlayStation. So I, I played some Spider-Man 2 again. I did some quests. That game is so much fun. that I can't wait. I think they're going to add some uh, DLC to that, which will be great. Um, I wonder how much... If you're on level 60, I think the level, level 60 is the highest level you can be on. I was whipping people's ass. And that, that was that's fun. That's very invigorating. I remember doing that, being at that high level on, I think, 50-something on Horizon Zero Dawn, the first one. Uh, and playing... The, <laughs> that shit is still hard when you get when you get to the... When you play the DLC, like in the Frozen Wilds, which was that first... DLC they had. Speaking of that game, I need to get back into that one because I downloaded the um, uh, DLC for for Forbidden West. Um, it's very it's very rewarding when you, and refreshing when you have all that god level game genie ability. What do they used to call it? Game genie is when you had that thing you can unlock stuff. I forget. God. God tier ability or something like that. Where you can just beat the shit out of people. It's 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 awesome. Um, so I did some of that. The hardest thing to do in that game, the hardest thing even to to beat the characters, the bosses that you have to do is when you have to follow these drones and you're and you're in your web wing. You have your web wing, which allows you to fly through the air, and you have to follow these wind tunnels. And I that just kicked my ass several times. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever platinum that game. I don't know that I really care, but it would be nice to platinum another game. Other, I platinum the Last of Us reboot, and I've plat, plat, uh, platinum the uh, the Last of Us Part Two. So, yeah, I so I was doing that, and I played some Two K, and Two K was fun. I feel like I could. I feel like. The Kings could be my team, like a nice young squad. I had like f- almost 50 points, I think, with De'Aaron Fox. Um, he was just blowing past everybody. He's so fast. Malik Monk, Sabonis, young Sabonis. The team team's pretty good. I think I, I think I might I might start a season with them. We'll see, but they're they're a fun they're a fun squad. So I was gonna go to the movie yesterday. I ended up not going. I was either gonna see anything, anyone but you, or Night Swim. And Night Swim, people kind of trashed Night Swim. I'll I'm gonna see it eventually, but I just didn't feel compelled to really leave my apartment because of the weather, and it was gonna snow. Had I gone earlier in the day I would have been I would have been straight but then as the day uh progressed it did start snowing and I didn't want to lose my parking spot I did see in my apartment complex how I've I've I think I've said this before in the show for the past maybe couple years 
I think there's people that park in this parking lot that don't live here. Either they're dating somebody or in a relationship or whatever with somebody, or they come over and they just park in the lot and they don't live here. And it's reserved for residents, you know? I don't know what the 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 version of a black male Karen is. I think it's that that police is it that police detective or a lawyer? The dark skinned black guy with glasses and everybody uses him as a meme with the phone, like when you're about to call or tell on somebody. It's that dude. I don't I don't know who he is, but it's that I I forget who he is, but I feel like he's a he's a, a white collar guy and he's like telling on people. White collar black guy telling on people. You guys know what I'm talking about. People use that meme when they're about to like tell on somebody. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that is, but I did see people when I I had, I had, uh, left my place on Friday and then I went back, came back home and I did see these, um, uh, flyers on people's cars saying like parking violation and all that. So I, I do have a, um, uh, what do you call, what you call it? A, a, A permit tag that I, that I put on, that I have. So we'll see what happens. Maybe there'll, there'll be less of this going on. Cause as the weather starts to get bad and you, and I'm, I might be out late doing shows or whatever, coming home late and you, you parking spots are scarce. And I just, it's just a shitty feeling to have to worry about that. Uh, that you don't have a fucking parking spot at a residence where you pay to live there and you don't have a spot that, that, that I do not, like I can't go for that. No, indeed. Um, so I'm hoping they get that situation squared away. And how did I get, I don't know how I got onto this park and stuff. I did have to, uh, Oh, let's, let's talk about some, uh, comedy shows coming up. I'll be at, uh, QED Astoria on January 13th, uh, doing the QED presents the late show. That'll be fun. That that place, it's a small coffee house essentially in Astoria. It's when you get people in there, it's fucking hot. It's hot. It's a good it's it's a hot room. It's a really good room, especially like people that have paid to come see comedy and they're expecting you to do, you know, they want you to do well and all that and to, you can really I've had a lot of fun in that room. Um, so that I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also I'll be at the San Francisco sketch fest, uh, January 20th and 21st. Um, and then another big show, I'll be doing two shows at zone three in Boston on February 24th. So, uh, as I have shows, I'll, I'll post about them and I'll, uh, tweet them or uh, what do you call it? Thread them, put them on Instagram and all that stuff. Um, so here's hoping that there's a bunch of fun shows like these that I'll do this year. I'm hoping for that. Um, update on my lost earbuds case. I had to order one. I don't know what happened to that thing. So I ordered one from Sony and it cost like 130 bucks. Man, it's uh, I don't know what happened. And I'm normally I don't know if it's I'm getting older or absent minded 
but I don't know what happened to that case. I think it just fell, and um, yeah, it it just yeah. I don't know what happened. It's lost to the elements now. Uh, but I bet one day I'll be cleaning up, and then I'll be like, oh, it's here, ooh, you know. So whatever. That's that. Um, the big news this week in showbiz is uh, Cat Williams's appearance on Club Club Shay Shay. Which, when I saw the 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 day before it dropped, I saw a picture on Instagram where they were they you know oh Cat Williams is on this week and I was like oh shit that ought to be fun, you know just just in just a rent just like seeing oh that should be good, and I man that was essentially a live action burn book. Uh, <laughs> shout out to all the the Mean Girls fans, uh, Regina George and the Plastics had nothing on cat williams um i don't know if you could call those strays i think that those were direct shots i don't know how much of that was true uh it seemed like it was based in some kind of truth the cedric the entertainer joke and the joke that people are talking about on the internet uh arguing about uh that's not that great of a joke it's kind of a it's you people arguing over some shit that's kind of hack. Um, but, and then seeing the in it in context, one of them was a closer. And I, I get it. it. It's just, it's not even, should I say, low-hanging fruit, if you will. Um, and then the one where they showed J, the J.B. Smoove joke that they said Cat Williams took, that he stole, uh, that too just was something that was just kind of like, I don't know. Back then, people loved using music cues. I saw, I saw a show. I'm not gonna. I saw a show uh, at a club recently, and the the headliner's opener had music cues, and um, I said, "Whoa, did I get transported back into the '90s?" And uh, why do you, why are we still? I don't I don't know, man. I'm not the comedy police, but that it just seemed. Whew. It just didn't look good. It just wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look. And I yeah I, I can't I'm I can't tell people how to do comedy, but uh, you know that just it just wasn't it just wasn't good. It wasn't was not good. Unless you could, if you could sing it yourself or something and, and make it work and not have to rely on a crew, a, a, a technical person in a, in a 20 minute set, I, it just, I don't know, man. There's just, to me, there's a thing called evolution and you got to try to push forward and it's, it's hard. Comedy is hard, man. Shit's hard. The thing that I, the thing that I the biggest thing I got out of the Cat Williams that interview was the fact that uh, I wish Cat Williams was the fact that he people are coming out and telling these stories about how Cat Williams gave them like a rack of money after he saw them perform and he was real cool and quiet about it. Richie Redding, who's a um, New York area Jersey comic. Uh, I don't know. I think he, I think Richie lives in the city now. 
think he's in New York now. But I've done a bunch of shows with with Richie. I've done a few shows with him. And uh, I was ex- immediately when he started talking about that kind of stuff, I thought of Richie because Richie was the six degrees of Kevin Bacon person, six degrees of Cat Williams that I knew of about Cat from Richie. And he always had good things to say about him. I knew Richie toured with him and he put out a story on Facebook and on his social media and uh, talked about it. And I I was just like, man, I I just wish, I just wish Cat Williams saw me kill and, and just gave me uh, a wad of money. Uh, That would have been, that would have been nice. (laughs) Um, As far as that other stuff, really it's, it's, it's millionaires uh, arguing over jokes uh, that, aren't that good yeah that that's what i'll say about that the other stuff it it was it was entertaining and i i do think that there were there were elements of truth uh sprinkled throughout the whole um piece the whole the whole uh sit down yeah that's really all, all i have to say about it it's entertaining when people get spicy about stuff but i i I just think we don't hear that stuff enough. You don't hear too many comics talking about it. You hear um, Bobby Lee talk about it a lot, and I, I like when he talks about it. And I, and I don't know. There's just there just has to be something going on. There's there's something insidious about Hollywood that people don't don't want to that they don't either they are afraid to talk about it they don't want to talk about it. there's a le- there's just a certain level that you get to where if you don't do certain things that this is what what they're what they're alluding to or what no they're not even alluding to it they're saying it and always ha- it always it always stems on gay sex like this cabal of gay stuff but I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it's like that. Um, I don't know what it is uh, about the. I'm I'm trying to figure out the the right way to say it. The, the what what did he say like the virgin the virgin behind like because he doesn't have the because he does have that is why he's in why I'm in why I'm in the situation I'm in what do you mean cat a millionaire comedian that does not have to do promo you don't have to do a podcast you could just like you could just show up in a town and you you're selling out and you're selling out arenas I imagine that he wants to be bigger than he is but I think it it's it's on his terms, and I can understand that, because he's very talented. I mean, I thought some of the best acting that I've seen recently, especially on just TV or film, was his appearance on um, Atlanta, and uh, that was that was just fucking brilliant. It was just, it was just kind of like a, a salt of the earth. Um, naturalistic terrific performance 
that alluded to this like this real meaty backstory that part of me wishes that there was more to that in the series that we knew a little more about it i think when um what is his character donald glover's character in uh atlanta's name it's been i, I haven't oh my god i should know this Paperboy. that last um Al and and Earn 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 okay, when Earn is in therapy and it's like this really powerful scene where he's talking about all this stuff, talking about why he got kicked out of uh, I think Princeton or something, and he kind of revealed a lot of stuff there. And it's just it's just the tapestry of that show. Take away all the the weird shit that they did in season three that I liked and people had a problem with, but I understood what they were doing. But the characters that they wrote were so interesting. Like the four main characters were so great and compelling and you cared about them that you wanted to see more of them. Um, When Cat Williams was on there, it just kind of peeled back another layer to that Mark's family, that family that was just like, wow, that's fucking, oh my God. He just, he just came in there and delivered and he won, won a golden globe for that. Emmy, primetime Emmy for that, sorry. Um Yeah, it's 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 weird, man. He should be in more shit. Um I don't know. I haven't gotten to that rung. I don't I don't I'm not in that position. Uh, I've 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 just kind of I've had I've had dalliances with show business. Some good ones, some really good um experiences. And I met some really good people. I met some not so good people. Uh, it's a hard journey. And I always say, if this this podcast, I try to have good in- interviews and conversations with people in the industry uh, at various levels over the past almost going on 11 years of doing this. And at the core, this show is about a guy that's uh, trying to make it. It's a it's a it's a journal of a guy going through it and, and doing it the only way he knows how trying to get it out the mud, doing it as, as well as, as best I can do it. Uh, sometimes I do well, sometimes I fall short. Um, but meeting people in this business, when you start to, when you start to get stuff and they, the people that are in your corner and you start to get stuff and then, then those people don't talk to you anymore. Because they only liked you at a certain level. And then when you start going past or surpassing or getting things, they don't want to have anything to do with you. I've met people like that before. When you start getting stuff, they say, oh, you don't need that. You already get this. Why do you need that? So I've heard that, too. And from people that were supposed to be friends. Um, so you go through that. But I think that's just life in general. I think that's in any industry and it's just, it's almost, it almost feels like it's the, uh, 
I don't know that there's not a real HR in show business. And for so long, people have been able to treat people like shit. And that's why you had the reckoning with the Me Too. It's almost like there's another one coming. Um, but I think people just don't have empathy anymore. Uh, the, the way that they treat people. And you see the way people are in the comments for all this stuff. Um, whether I, whether you're in Cat Williams's camp or Steve Harvey's camp or such, all the people that he mentioned, including Cat Williams, have done stuff that was entertaining and made me laugh. All those people are, I think, are really talented. And, uh, well, some, yeah, most of those people are really talented. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that you got to hear that that in that way. You got to hear that shit. There's black people always taking us down. It almost makes me feel, and I don't want to believe this. I don't want to believe it. <laughs> this one kind of manosphere guy uh, was saying that there's really no, really no black unity, and I and you everybody's out there for themselves. And I think to a certain degree. Uh, There's a little part of me that believes him. Part of me doesn't want to, but uh, I don't know. It, what there is is just is really tribalism. And that's what The Last of Us 2 tried to explore in their groundbreaking 2020 game that Naughty Dog put together for us. But no, I think, it's, I think there's a lot of tribalism. I don't know. I, I haven't been at that level, but... What I always try to stick to is just try to be nice to everybody, try to be decent and personable. And a lot of the people that I met, especially doing comedy, because comedy is that that art form that even though it's. I think it's the least respected art form, but when I've when I've had experiences with. People high on top of the food chain, it's been it's been really good. I've been treated like I always say we'll say D.L. Hughley was kind to me, let me uh, do guest spots on his shows at Caroline's. The first time I set foot on stage at Caroline's was because of him and then taking me taking me with him and his crew to, to dinner after the show and like having sea bass. I'll never I'll never fucking forget that. I'll never forget that. And that was just a, a random weekend for him. But he had me on those shows. I'll never forget that. That's a guy who I grew up watching on TV, thinking he was funny, watching his stuff, and just being like, wow, that, that's fucking cool. And then for me to to want to be involved in stand-up, to want to do it, and to get to the point in my career where, man, I could do guest spots open for somebody I grew up admiring. And I remember telling him, I've said this, I'm like my mom and dad telling the same same story over and over again. But I just remember talking to him. But I think he could tell, I think he could tell from a dude that's at the time was probably in the business for 30 years, if not more than that. This is like 10 years ago. Was it like maybe 2011 or 2012, something like that. But I just remember telling him, because I had rewatched. Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. 
And I did like that show. I I didn't watch West Wing, and it's not because I was um, oh I'm not gonna watch. I just I just didn't watch it. I know it's a popular show, and so I liked. I did like that was a obviously an, a, uh, an Aaron Sorkin joint. But I remember watching, enjoying Studio 60 because it was like SNL. It was like, uh, you know, and 30 Rock came was there at the same time. And it, it didn't it didn't do as well as 30 Rock. But I think they were trying to do a different thing than 30 Rock was. Um, 30 Rock was a comedy about writing on a late night show like SNL. Uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip was more of a a drama about people working on an SNL type show. Um, and I liked them both equally, but it only lasted one season. And, and Dio Hughley was on that show. And I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, I, I like Studio 60. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bullshit you because I'm hanging out with you. But he's like, no, I get it. I, I, I know. I know. He was, he was like, yeah, young guy, you didn't like, he was, he was cool. And I think they, I think they made fun of me because I think I, I was cutting some chicken with a knife and I, it was a cut. It was at Tao. It was like a pretty classy restaurant. I, I think it was one of the, it was a, one of the hipper restaurants that I had been in at the time as a, as a, as a fledgling New York comic. Um, I've since been to cooler places, but, um, cool places like that. But, um, I forget how it was, but they kind of joke him and his crew were like, joking with me about how I ate the chicken or something uh, anyway, but th- that that's an experience that I'll never forget. And, and to get validation that, Oh, you're, you're funny enough to be on stage, to share the stage with me. That was really cool. And I, and for somebody to take on the uncertainty of show business, a career that has so much uncertainty to be able to tell my parents, like I had dinner with DL Hughley, that was pretty huge. And I remember my mom would tell people he had dinner. <laughs> he had dinner with DL Hughley. He worked with DL Hughley. That was, that was fucking cool. You know? Um, so I, I can imagine how it felt for people like Richie. Um, I think uh, Dion Cole had a story about it. I think to the a comedian out of Philly talked about it too, about having good experiences with somebody who was super famous. And, it, you know, it was really cool. And, and Bill Burr, like my, um, what, what's the, my, my Dickensian, uh, Bill Burr story where I got kicked out of a show. Cause there was, the show was sold out at Caroline's and, uh, I was a comic that was just trying to watch Bill Burr to um me getting to open for him a few months later in at bananas in hasbrook heights um i'll never fucking forget that and went to i'll have to find that picture with us in white castle i think that was like 2013 and that was just like i mean that was amazing and for him to just say he's never seen me before to give me a to give me a shot to do like ten minutes opening for him in a sold out room, that was the first time I had been. So bananas was in this club for those for those of you that don't know, I'll I'll tell you a story. 
So some people are probably new. Bananas was a comedy club that used to be, they used to have a location in Poughkeepsie, New York. And I believe if I, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think, uh, um, my mother's favorite celebrity, Jimmy Fallon, started there. I just love Jimmy, my mom says all the time. Um, he he started there, and then they had a and then they had a club in um, in Hasbrook Heights, which is in Bergen County. It's down Route 17. It's right off the highway of a Holiday Inn. It was there for a very long time. The owners ended up selling it to helium a few years ago uh so now now they're in rutherford that's they're in rutherford new jersey down in the Me- meadowlands which is only um five minutes away five minute drive away uh bill burr was performing there uh doing a benefit and i said okay i'm the net so after i get kicked out of caroline's for that it wasn't like because I was doing something bad, but I was just extra. They didn't give me, there's no room for anybody because everybody else had paid, you know, so there's no seats. And I said, you know what? Next time Bill comes to town, I'm just going to pay and I'm not going to have to worry about getting in. So I heard on his podcast, I'm going to be at Bananas and Hasbrook Heights, blah, blah, blah. And I, had, I said, okay, I got my ticket. And then I just, and obviously, friend of the podcast Paul Verzi uh was on was opening for him and I'd reached out to Paul said hey Paul are you opening for Bill at at Bananas he's like yeah yeah I was like oh cool then maybe I could just meet him after the show just like shake his hand dap him up I'd seen him at um at Carnegie Hall in maybe I don't know that had to be I want to say that might have been 2011 or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But it, it was prior to me uh, having that, seeing him at Bananas. And I'm in line. In line. It, Bananas is a hotel. It, it's in a, The club is in a hotel at um, and, and a Holiday Inn. It's really a conference room. And I've been to shows at Bananas before. And I had never seen that club when he was there that packed. So they had to open up. So they have a space where they can open up so more people can get in there. It's like a big-ass conference room on the first floor. And I'm standing in line, and I'm talking to a guy, and and we're just talking. I was like, yeah, I'm a comedian, too. He's like, oh, yeah? He's like, are you famous? I said, no. I said, God, no. I said, if I was famous, I would be on the show. And after that interaction with that guy, Bill and Paul come in. And Paul sees me say, oh, Chris, I'll be back in a second. And I was like, okay. And so I'm still standing in line. And then Paul comes back. He says, hey, Chris, come here. And he takes me in this other small conference room. And Bill's back there, and Mike Spears, who's uh, was hosting the show, is back there. Funny comedian. And then Bill's back there, and we just start talking. Just start talking. It was really cool, and we're just chilling. And then the show's about to start, 
and the producer of the show comes in and says, hey, so, um, yeah, how, how are we going to do this? And Bill said, I'll do like 50, and you just let these guys do 10. And it was me, Paul, and Mike. I was like, fuck, all, all of us. Okay, I'm on the show now. And I was like, holy shit, I'm opening for one of my comedy heroes. I'm like, fuck. And I fucking kill. <laughs> I got up there. It was packed. I had never seen after just going. And that was the, the I think that was the first time I had performed at that club was because of Bill Burr. I don't even know I was going to tell these stories, but they're they're not. I don't think that they're. If you were if you've been a, if you've been a fan of this show for a long time, you would you would have heard these stories before. But I know sometimes we we always talk about the seediness of show business and and the the the, the bullshit or the people make you do gay stuff to get in and all that. It's it's so fascinating to me how. I'm trying to put this in a way. I was thinking about this. If we're so protective of the LGBTQ community, and you can't say this about them, you can't say that, but immediately, those same people that are being, that are virtue signaling on, on social media, quick to call somebody gay. Always want to call somebody gay to like maybe, I don't know if it's, to emasculate or dehumanize somebody. And it's always in the black community. I'm not saying that white people never do it, but I always hear that. I've had people say that I was gay because I was in 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 uh in 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 the arts or I liked theater, I liked uh uh plays and I'm doing what I'm doing now. And I just would think like if you believed all those stereotypes if you believed in all of that shit, I would say, yeah, well, you would be, we'd be having, we'd be having this conversation in a, a, a bigger house if I was gay and you believed all that shit. Like you, you would be, you would be talking to me. You probably wouldn't even be able to talk to me right now. Cause I'd be gay and a, a billionaire in the industry. People, people want to, I don't know why they, why it is they go for that. The same people that said, oh, Dave Chappelle shouldn't be talking about gay people and trans people the way he's doing it. But then at the same time, it's like you want to call out somebody for wearing something that you, you think is not masculine enough. I, I don't get it. Which one is it? Which one is it? Because people do that all the time. I got on this, uh, but I was thinking about that. Because even Cat Williams said something about, like, when he did that that radio show. And I remember that, too. I remember when that happened where I didn't know the backstory about it. But they were just he was just there to, to promote Red Grant's show. And it kind of just kick it, kind of like a puff interview. Just like, oh, you got this award and blah, 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 let's promote these shows. And she tried to attack Cat Williams and and tried to, like, talk about his masculinity or tried to kind of, like, 
insinuate that he was gay and and he and even Cat Williams said, "Yeah, I don't I'm not gay, but why would you try to associate me and demean the people who are, are in the gay community by saying this about me?" You know, like why why would you try to like why would you make that a bad thing? You know? And I think that's something shit. I I mean, shit, I'm not famous enough to be uh for people to get that mad at me, but I do see that. It's like the I don't know, it's like hiding I don't know, if all this if all the Maybe I'm getting into a realm that I shouldn't be getting into, but I, I just noticed that, man. Because it's, ha- it's happened to me. People will say that. Your own family will try to say that you're a certain, that you're gay. If I, if I was gay, I'd just be gay. And if you believed in all of that stuff, then I, if I'm gay and I'm in the business, I would be further along now. And I probably wouldn't even be fucking with you anymore. I don't fuck with you anyway. But I would say that I had a good set <laughs> at that Bill Burr show. And we went to White Castle after because there's a White Castle, uh, a few, a hop, skip and a jump away from that hotel. And it was a really cool night. And uh, I toured with Chris Hardwick and that was that was fun. Um, I think it was that year. That might have been the top of 2013. And... Um, yeah, it's not it's it's not all bad. Um, but um yeah, I, I I just don't like seeing it's always the the black folks that are like beating each other up and fighting. I I think it's enough money out there for everybody. I want my shot just like everybody else. I'm human too. I see people that aren't as good as me and and you and I'm just like, "What the fuck? Come on, please." Are you serious? You know, everybody, like, I, I see that all the time, but I don't know. I still, I still love the craft. I love the practice of it. I love being a practitioner of it. I love making people laugh. I like entertaining. I like stories. All that jazz, man. All that stuff. Um,. Yeah, but those those stories about the especially like from Richie and and those other comics, uh, it, it was that was nice, and I I just wish that Cat would have seen me, and maybe one day he'll I'll be somewhere where he can see me see my act and see me do well, and uh, give me some money, and uh, yeah, but until then I'm just gonna keep plugging away. Keep trying to get good. G-I-T-G-U-D. Um, Jonathan Majors is going to be, they're going to, so I'll probably do a Patreon after I see this uh, Jonathan Majors interview. Patreon folks, you'll have something um, probably tomorrow. Not probably like Monday, Tuesday, or at some point. We'll talk. I'll talk to you. Um, he's doing, a, I think, a GMA interview. And it's weird because it's like you're doing a Disney is the parent company of ABC. They kicked you out. 
then you're doing an interview on Good Morning America. It all seems like they're trying to rehab him, which I'm hoping. I think he's got to do the media circus. And then maybe they let him back in. Then I get to see Magazine Dreams. I guess that's is that is that how it works? He didn't do anything as bad as Louie, so we we didn't get to see that daddy movie. I'd got to see it. Uh, but, uh, yes, I don't know. Some people, the people in the comments, man, they're brutal. Somebody said it reminded them of uh, The Boys. <laughs> that interview, and, uh, and like, he can't. It's, it's sad, because I think he was about to cry. And one in the little trailer that they put out. And they're like, oh, he acting. He acting. Ah, shit, man. He ran from that. When he started running from that white girl, it was too late. It was already too late. And I think maybe he realized that. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how it comes out. I just feel like that whole situation. I don't know how much I've talked about it on here, but... I've had conversations. I just think he flew too close to the sun. And those recordings that he that they leaked are the reason why I believe that he flew too close to the sun. Because he thought he was greater than he was. And when you get too high on your horse, um that that that's what happens sometimes not all the time but sometimes i am a great man a great man cuz you're playing a character on a it's a it's a great accomplishment he's successful he's extremely talented but to let that shit feed to just it's a balance that you got to have in any kind of industry in any, in any industry you're in. You can't believe your own hype. I think you have to be level headed. It's hard. This shit is hard, man. Life is hard. What's that line from stakes is high. Life can get all up in your ass, baby. You better work it out. I think that stake stakes is high. I think when Paz says that, But we'll see what happens, and and maybe uh, I'll get to see Magazine Dreams. Um, I hate I hate that that happened for that director. That first I, I don't know if he was a first time director, but a, a a young one, regardless. And it was it was still yeah, it's fucked up, man. The people that worked so hard in that movie, the people in in the crew, the cast, sucks. I wanted to say something. I just found out that there was a, a New York Times piece on Taraji P. Henson. I did not read it. I just found that out today. But I was looking at, um, I was on Twitter or X last night. And I there was a, there was a thing about somebody posted where they're doing the press runs for The Color Purple. And there was a piece that they took out from... Uh, oops, whoopsie, now, from The Hollywood Reporter Presents, 
And Daniel Brooks is talking about someone tweeted Daniel Brooks talking about how they didn't have their own dressing rooms or food until Oprah called Taraji. I'm just going to play this for you. This is just a, a continuation of what I was talking about last week. And we'll just see how this how this works. I'm going to just turn the mic, turn this on and just I'm just going to play it. Taraji, Taraji, as Blitz, uh, our director, says. I mean, I have been watching her from the beginning. And to just have someone just be a guide for us, be our voice box. I remember when we first came in and we were doing rehearsal and they put us all in the same space. Like we didn't have our own dressing rooms at the time and... They did not give us it. Sorry, Miss Obi. We didn't have no food. She had no idea. She had no idea. She had no idea. I heard about it. Oh, yeah. And you corrected it for yeah, us. I you corrected I it. You. Didn't I call you? Yes. I and I was like, Miss O, we got to fix this. <laughs> and she said, say less. And was it not And fixed? that's what oh, I appreciated, though. You were our voice. Because a lot of times, yes, I've done a lot of TV. I've done a lot of films, uh, specifically independent films. But this is my first studio film. So sometimes you do come in just saying, okay, well, I'm going to just take whatever they give me. I'm just yeah. happy to be here, you know? But you spoke up for us, and you showed me how to do that. But what I've really enjoyed is your sisterhood is authentic, and it's real. It's not this fake. So that was that was Daniel Brooks talking about being on set for the first time when they were rehearsing and then you, you heard it um damn this is a this is warner brothers it is warner brothers right it's a big big studio film let me make sure purple 2023 i think it is warner brothers uh yeah warner brothers pictures yep and uh you don't have a place for these people to, to to stay, like to prepare or to sit. There was no food. Um, yeah, and Taraji spoke up. She was speaking up for her people. It's not just a self-serving thing that some of these people would have you to believe. Uh, and then there were there was talk about them having to have rental cars for to get to set. I'm gonna read you this from the deadline. Let's see. This is um. I'll just read this. Taraji P. Henson is opening up about her time filming Color Purple and is criticizing that production had the cast drive themselves to set. I'm just going to read this and um, I'll comment on it after. In an in a new interview, the Empire alum revealed that producers of the film gave the cast rental cars to take themselves to the set of the production. However, Henson said she fought to get a driver due to it being an insurance liability. They gave us rental cars and I was like, I can't drive myself to set in Atlanta. This is an ins this is insurance liability. It's dangerous. Now they robbing people. Hanson recalled during an interview with the New York Times. What do I look like taking myself to work by myself in a rental car? So I was like, can I get a driver or security to take me? I'm not asking for the moon. They're like, well, if we do it for you, we got to do it for everybody. She continued, well, do it for everybody. It's stuff like that, stuff I shouldn't have to fight for. I was on the set of Empire fighting for trailers that wasn't infested with bugs. 
Henson noted that these situations were wear on her soul because you fight so hard to establish a name for yourself and be respected in this town to no avail. With black films, they just don't want to take us overseas. I don't understand that, she added. Black translates all over the world, so why wouldn't the movies? I have a following in China, of all places. Y'all not going to capitalize on that? Don't every don't everybody want to make money here? I'm not the person that pulls the race card every time. But what else is it then? Tell me. I'd rather it not be race. Please give me something else. Henson has been talking about the disparity that exists in Hollywood and during the press. And what? Henson has been talking about the disparity that exists in Hollywood and during the press tour for The Color Purple. She broke down in tears over the pay discrepancies despite her long and established career in the industry. I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. Henson said after taking a long pause and breaking down during an interview with Gail King on Sirius XM, I'm tired of hearing my sisters say the same thing over and over. You get tired. I hear people go, you work a lot. I have to. The math ain't mathing. And you start working a lot. You have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. It's a whole team behind us. They have to get paid. So yeah, this is a this is a thing that you know, as somebody who's been on set, as somebody who's not as um, high on the totem pole as Taraji P Henson, you get drivers for stuff. You get drivers. So as a day player, the one of the last things, the most recent thing, well, even the the I did a uh, had a couple lines on uh, on Harlem on Amazon Prime, and I live in Jersey. The filming was in. Um, where did we film that at? That doesn't. No, that doesn't count. No, I just drove to. I drove to that set. That doesn't count. I did an episode of a show, The End Game, on NBC, and NBC obviously huge uh, studio uh, network. Get the part. I. They wanted me to meet at a pickup location, to where I had a driver. So I drove into the city and parked and then they had a driver take me to Staten Island. It was just me. I had one line. Uh the <laughs> I had one line and you could barely see me on the fucking episode. So that that's what I'm talking about. That's me, a day player. One line. They made sure I got there and they gave me bus transportation back. Uh, where I had to ride with the extras, but I mean, I don't know how I felt about that, but they got me, back. they got me back and not thinking about it. I would have just driven to Staten Island so I wouldn't have to wait, pay for parking and drive back. But I, I mean, I could have said something, but they, they did that. They do those things for people. And I've been on shows where I think they they offer to drive you, even if it's low budget SAG stuff. They're like, we'll take you to this location and we'll get you here and get you to base camp and all of that stuff. Um, Yeah, I think when I did try to think of something. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I yeah. When you when you do stuff, they're supposed to do that. They should be doing that. And someone brought up on on X with the information about one of the stars of uh, Riverdale, the leads of Riverdale, KJ, what's his name? KJ, KJ Appa. Um, this was a couple years, this is a few years back. I think this was in 20, 
This is 2017 where he's the lead of this show. And he was involved in a late night car crash after a 16 hour workday in Vancouver. And they had to. Uh, they it made them demand better safety precautions. Did you see how if he got. Let me see. KJ Apa 20 who plays Archie in the Warner Brothers produce another Warner Brothers joint. Damn. Produced. Uh, apparently fell asleep driving the 45 minute trip home after midnight. He was taken to a local hospital for observation and later discharged without serious injuries. His car, however, didn't fare as well. The passenger side was apparently destroyed after striking a light pole and the vehicle was rendered inoperable. And they also go on to say um, Cole Sprouse, who stars as Archie's pal Jughead and is one of Apa's close friends, had apparently planned to be in the car as well that night but change plans at the last minute. Uh, I mean, that that could have been even worse. And you would think for a TV series that you're on, somebody would drive him home after working the shit out of him. Somebody would, I mean, it's, you see the glamour and glitz, you see the, the premieres and the, you, the photo shoots that these people do. That is just a byproduct of the grind of those 16 hour work days that they work five hours, five, five, six days a week. That's why people were on strike for better working conditions. And it's all yes, it's all relative. You look at the the amount of money these people make and this and that. Do I want to make money like they making it? Of course I do. But you don't want the actor on one of your favorite shows to be hurt. And then you won't, then you don't have a show no more. You could write them off and be replaced. Anybody's replaceable, but that shit ain't going to be the same. I watched a couple seasons of Riverdale. It was, it's fine, but think about all the teenage girls that like that show. You don't pay the extra money for to get, to, to get this man to and from set. And something like that happens could have been worse. Then you don't have no show no more. All because you was trying to be cheap. Thinking practically. That's insane. I didn't know about that till someone someone mentioned that on on Twitter. But it's it's crazy, man. It ain't just the glamour and the glitz. It's about that grind. I will never forget. My late great dad, I was wasn't necessarily complaining about. I was just telling him that it was like overtime. I was doing some some uh, working on a show, and we were there for the whole day. It was a long ass day, and my dad said, "It's not like you think. It's not like you think it is. It was going to be, is it?" And I was like, "Nope." I was like, "It's better. <laughs> it's better." <laughs> but that's. I mean, that's like. It's it's actually good. I mean, they, you know, it's. I would rather be doing that than doing the TPS reports. Everybody knows that. Everybody that listens to this show knows that. But it it's not all glamour and glitz. And I never try to portray it as as it being that way. Yes, there's like magical nights where you do shows, and I remember just like um, being the week of. 
being uh, on Broadway, like opening night uh, in New York City, the uh, opening night gala or party or whatever on the on the Navy on the pier, whatever it was. I said Navy pier, like in Chicago. But you get what I'm saying. Like I'll never forget. That's amazing. All you think about all the work that you do. You know all the all the corny stuff I talk about all the time. But it's it's about the work, man. It's just it's a job, just like everything else. And I was rewatching. I'm kind of getting into the kick of rewatching old movies. I know so much. So many times you want to see what's new and all that stuff. But my seeing looking at my DVD collection right now, there's movies that I want to go back to and, and rewatch and add add to my letterbox uh, diary and all that stuff. But um. I was rewatching Hustle and Flow a couple days ago. That movie was great. I love that movie. And uh what uh probably some of Terrence Howard's best work. They say he got paid like 12 grand. I don't know how much they let me see if I can find it. I just want to see if I can find it. How much Terrence Howard much did get paid for Hustle and Flow? I made twelve thousand doing hustle and flow. So he said he made twelve thousand for that movie. He acted his ass off and got an Oscar nomination. Um, oh, there's a video too. I don't know how uh, where that goes, but I want to watch that. And and the shit. I mean, he got into Iron Man after that, and he. I guess he wanted more money. And I mean, now that you look at it, people were talking shit about him, but. Uh, he stuck to his guns and then they just gave they gave the money. I don't know how much the ask, how crazy the ask was. I don't really remember. But um, that will tell you that you can get replaced. But he's still a beast. I just remember seeing seeing him recently in uh, Once I Got Peacock, uh, best the best man holiday, the best man series. How he was just so good in that. How all those black actors are are really good. Just really good. Great. Even. I'm rambling a bit, but... Yeah, I always say it's not all about the glamour and glitz. It's about the work. And um, people should be getting compensated for it. Um, Taraji was good. She was fucking great in that. She's been doing it for a long time. These people are out here doing it for a long time. And for them to have to to not have food on the set. I've done shit where I don't think we got. I mean, I did a <laughs> this is in my act where I, we I did like an, <laughs> a community theater where they had food for us. Where we had Popeyes. You mean to tell me on a hundred million dollar movie? Y'all don't have no kind of food or refreshments on on rehearsal? Are you kidding me? What are we doing? I, yeah, that, that's, that shit is wild to me, man. I don't know. I don't have any music, really, that I want to, that I could recommend. I just say, like, I, I've been listening to that Toro Imoa Mayhall 
album. And every time, last year is probably, the record called Last Year is my favorite record from that. Uh, and and then sometimes when I just let it play, I forget how good that album is. Um, I don't know if that's his, I mean, it's not really, even if I say it's his, it's his best to date, it doesn't demean any of his other stuff, but I would, I would say like anything in return is probably the most accessible to me, to my ear, because I'm an R and B fan and a lot of those jams kind of come across as like R&B records. So I would probably say that that's just off rip, just off the dome. That's probably uh, probably my favorite album of his. But Mayhall, ooh, I would say probably a close second. Uh, there's some jams that I like a lot off of like other albums here and there, but if you're, if, I don't know, randomly, I was just thinking about that before I cut the mic on. Um, Toro y Moi, May Hall, really great. Uh, anything in return. If you're looking to just get in to his stuff, I think that might have been the first time that I saw him live when he was at uh, Webster Hall and he was touring that album, I want to say. He's got a lot of jams on that one. And then I see where Blue dropped a lot of stuff, um, a lot of like re-releases that are now sh- available to stream. So I'm going to get into some of that too. Let's get into. I said like I'm going to play 2K. I'm going to play Madden. I'm going to listen to music and and catch up on stuff and give you guys some recommendations. And what did I do when I was playing uh, 2K? I was listening to Hot Firestarter. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. So I don't know. Um, I got a couple movies. I didn't go, like I said earlier, I didn't go to the theater, but um, I did see a couple movies. I bought this film on um, iTunes because it was like, it was pretty cheap. I think at the time it might have been nine bucks. And you got to think, like, if you're going to pay six or seven to rent and two dollars more, I paid like, what, ten bucks for this. The Marsh King's Daughter. Directed by Neil Berger. What else did Neil Berger? Neil Berger did Divergent, Limitless, The Illusionist, The Upside, The Lucky Ones, and Voyagers. What I don't know about Interview with the, with the Assassin. The Lucky Ones. Oh, I remember that. So he's a good, solid director. Makes solid films. And let's read the blurb for this. The Marsh King's Daughter. Fear the past or face it. Helena, a woman living seemingly living a seemingly ordinary life, hides a dark secret. Her father is the infamous Marsh King, the man who kept her mother captive in the wilderness for years. After a lifetime of trying to escape her past, Helena is forced to face her demons when her father unexpectedly well, can I read? When her father unexpectedly escapes from prison. This movie stars Daisy Ridley, Ben Mendelsohn, and uh, Garrett Hedlund. Three stars on this. This was entertaining. It's solid. I like Daisy Ridley. She's she's solid. I I don't think I ever 
saw her play anything but Ray. I know she was in that um, Ray in Star Wars. I only, I don't think I've, I've seen Murder. No, I don't. I haven't seen Murder on the Orient Express. I lied to you. I did see Chaos Walking. That was just that was just decent uh, with her and Tom Holland. It was fine, but I do, I do like her. She's she's good. Um, yeah, it it, it kind of reminded me of a more of a what is the movie? I'm trying to think of the actor. So. Uh, let me see what his name is. Bear with me. He's married to someone I worked with who directed me in some. Ben Foster. So Ben Foster is married to Laura Prepon, who directed me in an episode of Oranges is the, is the New Black. But then Ben Foster. Is it Leave No Trace? Was that him? Was that him in Leave No Trace? Uh... Yeah, it was him. So him and uh, Ben Foster and Thomason McKenzie, a father daughter, live in a perfect but mysterious existence in Forest Park, a beautiful nature reserve near Portland, Oregon, rarely making contact with the world. But when a small mistake tips them off to authorities, they are sent on an increasingly erratic journey in search of a place to call their own. So this one's a more this one is a lot less. Leave No Trace is more, it's, I don't want to say more grounded in reality, but The Marsh King's Daughter is more of a, it's a movie. It's more of like, it, this one's almost like, Leave No Trace is almost like, uh, like kind of like a little more cinema verite where it's like, this is, this is realistic and this is, you know, because it's a good movie, but this one is more drama infused. I would say Marsh King's daughter and it's, it kind of, it kind of goes the way you think it's going to go. I was entertained by it. I was like, all right, I've paid 10 bucks on worse films than that. And I, I did, I was entertained. Daisy Ridley is good. Uh, I like some of the moments that, uh, that are just like when you, you think about her psyche where, She's been in the wilderness for years until she was about 10 years old and all shit hits the fan when um, her mother tries to make an escape and uh, they end up getting away and and she's forced to live in. I don't know how what do you say polite society to live in in society with everybody else in civilization and you know her father teaches her how to hunt and do all this stuff and um she spends the rest of her life trying to forget that and what happens when all those things uh resurface when she finds out that he's uh released from prison um and it's it's solid it's a solid rental you could even wait. You you could wait till this is streaming somewhere. But I just figured I bought this because it was New Year's. It was New Year's, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna watch some movies and chill and hang out, um, and I'll watch it. But it, it's it's a it's a satisfying rental, and it makes me want to go back to watching um, 
Leave No Trace, because I definitely thought about that movie when I was watching this one. Uh, the next movie, the, the last one I'll talk about, is a film. Okay, I want to go to my... Oh, a film called Foe, F-O-E. Let's read you the blurb here. This one's Foe is directed by Garth Davis, who directed this film called Lion. Mary Magdalene, he did some episodes of Top of the Lake, A House in the Sky, and this film called Alice. Lion was really good. Uh, let's, uh, let's read you the thingy here. Henrietta and Junior farm a secluded piece of land that has been in Junior's family for generations, but their quiet life is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at their door with a, with a startling startling proposal. Will they risk their relationship and personal identity for a chance to survive in a new world? I guess I read that right. This movie stars Saoirse Ronan, Paul Mescal, and Aaron Pierre. Um, solid. This is on Amazon Prime. I had wanted to see this for a while. This got released... I heard about it. I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, this looks cool. Uh, I like all three of these actors. Uh, I want to see it. And then when it came out on VOD, it was 20 bucks to rent. And I was like, I don't know that I want to do that yet. If I'm paying that much, I'm super either super pressed and I know I want to see it. Otherwise, I just think I'll just wait. Yeah, because if because you're paying 20 bucks and you can't buy the thing, it's almost like, oh, I'll wait. Because that, that's what I was telling you about with freelance. You're not offering me any special features. I'll just wait. So this happens in the future. This is this reminds me of um, I meant to I meant to pull this up. What is the show now? I'm blanking. No, I'm not. Black Mirror. I think it's the last season. It reminds me of. Uh, uh, it reminds me of the. Um, is that the right one? I think it is. It reminds me of the Black Mirror episode Beyond the Sea with Josh Hartnett. I think. Is that it? Josh Hartnett and Aaron Paul when it's like so the world I think it's like 2060 or something and the world's been like ravaged and there's not people have moved on to another planet and they're they're doing they're doing uh, labor labor work and the Aaron Pierre character comes to say hey you know we got this opportunity for you uh, you can work here and, and, and make money or something. And the only thing is, you know, we, you'd be able to do that, but you'd have to leave your wife and we'd give your wife a clone to somebody that's like you. And he's like, and she can live with him while you're away. Uh, it's essentially the same story as, as beyond the sea almost. Um, but it's, and it's also got a twist to it. It's on Amazon Prime. If you've got Amazon Prime, it's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's I kind of it, the acting's really good, but I wasn't completely locked into it. Uh, I was just kind of it didn't hold me. Uh, so I think I need to watch this again. But 
I give it three stars because the actors elevated the script. Saoirse Ronan's always good. Paul Mescal, who I've kind of become a fan of since really um, after Sun. I hear normal people is good. That's the that's the um, I'm looking at his some of his credits here. Yeah, it looks like normal people is really good. Because uh, people talked about that a lot. He was in the lost, the lost daughter. Obviously, I want to see all of us strangers. Is in a film called Carmen. God's creatures. I think I saw. I did see this. Why didn't I mark this one? God's creatures. I recommend. Shit, I recommend this one. God's creatures in a windswept fishing village. A mother is torn between protecting her beloved son and her own sense of right and wrong. A lie she tells for him rips apart their family. And Yeah, this one. Okay, so uh, I didn't know we were going to stumble on this one, but God's Creatures. I feel like I saw this. This came out in 2022. You can only rent or buy. I rented this, and this was really good, because this, this stars Emily Watson, who's anchoring this cast, and Paul Mescal plays her son. This one's, so you get a bonus one. This was really good. I did, I give this one four stars. I saw this last year and I'm just going to say, I'm going to add this to my last year's list while I'm doing this in real time. Yeah. Um, so folks, I think that's it. Wow. I've talked for an hour and 16 minutes. I think that's enough of me, folks. I'm cutting you off. That's enough of me. Wean yourself off of me you hundreds of listeners. All right. So I think that's it, everybody. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. And I will talk to you all next time. Take it easy, everybody.